You're listening to the Fit Mind, Fit Body podcast, where we explore the connection between a fit body and positive mental health. And our big mission, it's to help 10,000 runners to develop fitter minds in the next two years. I'm your host, Michelle Frost. Let's get moving. Welcome to this episode of the Fit Mind Fit Body Podcast, where we talk to Piotr Babis. Now, he is a Polish-born adventure runner who's currently based in Tasmania. He recently completed a challenge to run 10 of Tasmania's wilderness trails in just 10 days. Now, these are trails that are often done in multiple days, not just one day per trail. Anyway, guess what? He completed that. Not only did he do that, but he also raised money while he was doing it for the Westpac helicopter rescue. So that was just an amazing effort. I'm sure you will enjoy this inspiring story from this young man and fall in love with Tasmania's wilderness trails all over again while you're listening to his infectious enthusiasm. Enjoy. Today on Fit Mind Fit Body, I'm excited to introduce you all to Piotr Babis, who has come to the podcast via many ways. I've had other people tell me about some of the adventures he's been up to and even had my daughter uh, tell me that I should uh, chase him up because she saw some uh, amazing stories about what he's been up to. So welcome to the podcast. Thank you for, for inviting me. I'm very excited for, for the conversation. I have been very nervous, as you know, trying to make sure that I pronounced your first name correctly. So I'll try very hard not to say it many, many times because I'll probably stuff it up a few times because that's the way it is. <laughs> but you've been very gracious. And I appreciate that. Tell me, Piot, where did you grow up? Because obviously you don't sound that Tasmanian or Australian. I'm trying. I'm working on my accent, but uh, <laughs> it's nowhere anywhere close to like this to be. Uh, I grew up in, in Poland in a small uh, village uh, an hour away from, from Warsaw. Mm -hmm. um, very, very flat country, not many mountains, but I would go to the mountains every, every year with my dad to do a little bit of hiking. Um, and that could have been the beginning of my sort of trail running um, adventures. Um, I didn't think that at the time. Um, then I left home or I mean, I left for the university when I was 19, and then three years later, I went abroad for the first time. I went to the UK, then I went to, to Canada, and finally here I am in, in Tasmania. Wow. So if we go back a little bit, when you were at school, like I haven't had, I have had people from all over the world on the podcast, believe it or not, but not, no one from Poland. So um, what's sport like at school? Like here in Australia, you know, they kind of make you do sport and when you're at school is it the same in Poland like is it part of your education yeah so we do have physical education classes which are about maybe like three units a week three four units a week mm -hmm. um, so we do different different sports and different activities pretty much all the way even even at university you have you have uh, sport classes and they were like compulsory like ones you had to do they are yes Okay. So you'd be marked on them as well, and you have different tests, usually running or uh, different different sports, and uh, you're getting grades as well. Oh wow! And can you remember what you thought 
you know, when you were a kid at school about doing sports or particularly running? I was, I always liked playing uh, soccer, uh, just chasing uh-huh. the ball. Uh, I wasn't particularly good at it, but that's what made me, brought me more, most uh, fun. And uh, that's what I would do in my free time. But funny enough, my dad was a, a judo coach. Um, and oh, uh, wow. it, it was, as I mentioned, I grew up in a very small place and there were not many opportunities. There was not a football club. There were no other activities. So because he was a coach, I had an opportunity to, to train judo since I was probably 12. Um, so yeah, that was my, that was my first sport oh. I was involved in. And uh, in your family, do you have siblings, brothers and sisters? I do have, yeah, I do have one sister. And is she sporty? Not necessarily. She's she was training judo as well for the same yeah. reasons, mm-hmm. um, but um, she didn't kind of follow up with it. She's busy now studying uh, to be a vet. Oh wow! So, yeah. She's pretty busy. So what what did you study when you went to university? I studied tourism and recreation. Can you say the, that again? Okay. Uh, tourism and recreation at oh, the University of, uh, of Sport Education. So I had a little oh. bit more kind of sport yeah. classes. Wow. So, and it was it the tourism that helped you then go off and travel? Like, is it because of the tourism element? Why did you then leave Poland? It, and UK? it definitely helped me uh, with some visa applications, having that mm-hmm. degree. Um, but the reason I picked that subject is I just, at the time, I didn't really know what I want to do in my life. I mean, I still don't know entirely, but because I was always interested in geography, that's the subject I picked. Uh, But then I kind of got bored after three years. So I finished the bachelor and I wanted to experience the world and I want to see it for myself. That's why I decided, started traveling and it's supposed to be just maybe a year in, in England, but then I got more opportunities and I traveled to Canada and then got a visa to Australia so wow. um, so traveling 10 10 years later <laughs> so I feel like skipping right ahead to know what to do with my life well I can tell you I'm 54 and I've got no idea what to do with my life so that's fine <laughs> you just whatever your life is right now that's what you're doing with your life don't exactly. be too stressed about what's gonna happen I'm living I'm living a good life I'm, I'm really enjoying being here so definitely no no complaints so how did you end up in Tassie so I lived, uh, I lived in Canada, and to be completely honest, I want to go to New Zealand. That was my next option. Um, <laughs> the visa process is extremely complicated being from Poland, and there is very small quota mm-hmm. uh, each year. So I didn't get the visa, mm-hmm. uh, but uh, I got the visa to Australia, which is uh, just a little bit less difficult, but I managed, I managed to get it. And obviously, when I got that visa, I started researching. At the time, I was already already trail running um so i was looking for the best place for, for trail, trail running and yeah. i asked a few people i knew from this area and i did a bit of my own research and it seemed like tasmania is the best place and i think i think it is because i came pretty much straight here and uh, never think never even thought about living in a different place oh so if you've been you've been in australia for how oh sorry in tasmania now for how long uh it's gonna be four years over four years actually now on this oh, wow. stage that's awesome and mostly in the north of the state is that are you in uh, did you say I you're in I lived, or, I lived all, all over so mm-hmm. the first job i got um I, it was in the southwest national park 
yeah. in uh, Big Predator. And then I got a job at Cradle Mountain. Um, and I work a little bit near Launceston. And then I moved to the West Coast in Lightning And I moved all the way across to the East Coast at Fraser. And then now I'm back, uh, kind of based near Launceston, but I work on the Overland track. So I've been very fortunate uh, in terms of locations of my, my job. So you're, uh, well, you tell us, what work are you doing at the moment? Uh, I'm a guide on the Overland yeah. track. Yeah, that's amazing. I love it up there. It's just, yeah, we're so lucky, aren't we, just to have that right there. And you get to go there all the time. That's even more. That's amazing. Exactly. And, it, and it changes so quickly. Just the recent trip I had, we had uh, lots of snow uh, and horrific winds. And the trip I had just a week before that, it was nice and sunny and, and pretty much dry track. So everything changed wow. dramatically within, within that week. So it's pretty spectacular. I even love that. Don't don't you, really like, the change? Don't you, you love that change as well? Like great to have great weather, but it's also there's something amazing and electrifying about, you know, when the weather's really horrible and you, you're out in it and you know, you're warm enough and you're whatever, but it's just, I really enjoy that. It's lovely surviving those occasions. It's not always great at the moment, but it feels, yeah, I love that, that it's so interchangeable. It's great. That keeps you out. You might think that you might get bored of uh, of the same track, but it's mm. it changes every time because we have different weather patterns. And, you know, the first day can be miserable or can be nice and sunny and it changes and, um, as I mentioned, it's just within a week. Uh, even the, the waterfalls, uh, you know, they were very thin. Now they're extremely powerful. So just seeing that difference, it's, it's pretty pretty amazing. And yeah, the, the track is different. Every trip I do, it's, it's different. So, uh, I haven't got tired of it and hopefully never will. Oh, I love it. Um, all right. So let's skip to your running. How did you, when did you start running as a hobby, you know, away from school? Where were you then? How did that become a thing it's, in your life? It wasn't until I was uh, 20, 22 or 23, I moved to England. And mm -hmm. um, I don't know, I just, I don't really exactly know, but I had this idea when I was a teenager to run the marathon. And when I moved to the UK, I lived next to Hyde Park and I just started going for runs and sort of suddenly decided that maybe I could pursue, pursue this goal and and sign up for uh, for the marathon. Um, obviously, many mistakes made along the way. I haven't never run a race, and my first race was a marathon. What? Um, but had a, had a pretty good preparation, uh, like maybe five months, and and wow. yeah, pretty respectable time as well, all things considered. So, uh, but it wasn't the smartest uh, strategy, and um, <laughs> to just go go for the marathon without any background whatsoever. Wow. So you must have quite a bit of, you must have had quite a bit of a fitness base though, do you think? In I, I don't consider myself being extremely fit. Like doing the judo, I, I was, I mean, I would win some competition on the regional level, but going further, like the age groups, mm -hmm. um, I definitely wouldn't, wasn't like that competitive or like being like top 10 in the country or like doing like university competitions. Mm -hmm. um, so I wasn't on top, top. And Again, we didn't have much running. I would run a little bit, chasing the, the ball over, uh, in, in a school, but I didn't really run in my free time. So I didn't have any background whatsoever until 22, which is pretty uh, uncommon for, 
for your honors. So that you must have a, t- is there anyone in your family that had any, you know, running background, any sort of genetics? Not, not really, not, no. No? What did your parents not think? Really. What do they think about your, your, what does your family think about your running achievements or you just the fact that you, it's your, your thing, I assume, <laughs> it's your thing? Yeah, I think at this stage they're, they're pretty used to me doing all the races and crazy yeah. adventures so they're not surprised and they're just like oh my god you're gonna run 100k but it's yeah it's it's pretty normal right now i felt i've said on the podcast before when i did my first marathon i think i was in my late 30s or something but i my dad cried because he said no one in my family's ever run <laughs> it was crazy you know so sometimes it affects people in our family and we're not even aware of it like they just very they're quite proud I think as well but because you when you do these things and have these achievements even though they're quite small in the scheme of things in your family they can have quite an impact it's it's quite fascinating you didn't have that uh, emotional reaction it was more of a surprise I would say <laughs> and disbelief like what are you doing it was funny um all right so you, how did you feel doing that marathon knowing that you know you as you said you didn't have a lot of um pedigree or a lot of even training it was about five months did you say leading into it yeah five months yeah. starting from scratch pretty much um i i finished in three hours and six minutes which i think is pretty Jesus. good time for the first timer <laughs> But I run the first half in 126, which can tell you a little bit about how the second half went. Um, What's also negative lessons split, to be learned about pacing. <laughs> yeah. um, I was chasing, I was hoping I can do 315. And then I started following uh, the pacer for, for three hours. <laughs> and then I just realized that's just too slow. So I just <laughs> dropped the pacer for three hours. And wow. um, yeah, that, that was a big mistake. Um, pretty painful experience uh, towards the end, but I finished, so that's that all matter. What was it about it that made you keep running? Like, because often people will finish a marathon. They say people either do one marathon or lots. Like nobody does two. <laughs> so, so what was it? Do you think that that's kept you running? Like, obviously, something about it made you want to go back it's hard to say it could be many different reasons but it's just setting that big goal and setting mm. those expectations putting all the work i mm-hmm. didn't never consider um consider stopping and i think so we're going to talk about all the other projects if uh, i think i do have a lot of this stubbornness yeah uh because i yeah just keep going even if uh, i'm not gonna be the first one i just don't really take into consideration to to stop it's just a good and a bad thing yes yeah absolutely it can be a good and a bad thing so do you the way you work now do you see that you set a goal and that it's really important that for you like you, you set a goal and that's how you keep yourself motivated to go out and you work out how you can yeah, reach it. Is it, that how it I think it's way different in the right now than what it was when I started because okay. now it's it's pretty much part of my life. That's who I am. And yeah. my training is non-negotiable. I, I go on the trips. I work 14 hours and I go if I have to. If that's my training program, I, I go and run for three hours after 14, 14 hours a day. Wow. Um, so it's, yeah. But again, it, it's also about similarly setting the goals, um, but it's a bit more structure and having, having it 
racing schedule and then training program. So you, so you have a marathon. What happens after that? So you run this marathon in England? Yeah, I guess that's what happens to many people. I haven't run for, for the next five months. Um, I just felt accomplished and I, it was just a, sort of a single goal. And then I took a few months off for, for traveling, um, which you know, I'll do a little bit, maybe running or hiking, but nothing consistent. Mm-hmm. consistent. I came back to the UK um, for work again and i thought i will i would try to break this three-hour marathon and sign up for the same marathon started training but um again pretty common story got injured because too much running not enough strengthening um and couldn't really train Uh, the injury got better before the marathon so i said oh still give it a go um had a perfect pacing an hour and a half for the half marathon, but then the injury started misbehaving uh, towards the second part. And uh, again, really painful experience finishing being done about three hours, 13 minutes uh, for my, for my second marathon. Wow. And yeah, that's, that's, that was, uh, that was my second marathon. And so far the last one, I haven't run marathon since then. <laughs> So I suppose they're all kind of, they're both road type of marathons, aren't they? Yes. yes. So was there some period after that second marathon that you thought, mm, I need to get off the road? Because obviously you're a bit more of a trail guy. I didn't think that at the time. So I did the marathon and I, my next goal uh, was to do the, the Ironman triathlon. So that's what I, was, I started training for. I see. <laughs> I think you've frozen a little bit. I don't know if you can hear me. Oh, there you are. You're back. (laughs) You're back now. Can you see me? Um, Sorry, just, yes. Yeah, so we're talking about the the Ironman. Um, Again, very bad preparation because at that stage, I only had those very inconsistent two years of running had no cycling background, no swimming background whatsoever. Swimming was was the biggest part. I only ran how to swim when I was 19, only to get accepted to the university because I had to do that swimming test. And then I just thought, okay, I'll do the Ironman. And once again, I haven't signed up for any triathlon before. I just signed up straight for the the full full distance. That was was my next big goal. Uh, So where were you then? I was in Canada at the time. Mm-hmm. I, again, it also didn't pick the best course because that was in, in Whistler. So the difficulty scale was <laughs> a bit higher, very hilly. Yeah. Um, but again, I, I finished, so that was not, not a big goal. And I was looking for, for the next challenge and was living in the Rockies in a beautiful little town. And those mountains were so appealing. I just wanted to you know, go, go and run. Cool to mm-hmm. the top and yeah pretty much never never looked back since since then and that was in 2017 wow so you just headed into the mountains basically and explored by running all over those mountains that was sort of how you managed to get to know those mountains i suppose and develop- well, it, would be, it would be a shame not to because i literally didn't even have to drive i had trail trails from my doorstep 
wow. and I also got into you know, a great trail running community in the town. Started running with, with friends and going for a weekly training session, um, and yeah, then started to sign up for some competitions, and that's how it all came about. So, when do you think you first called yourself a runner? After all of this, it's a good question. A trail runner, maybe I would say by doing my first 100K. Mm. So that was my another big goal after after the Ironman 2017, a few days after my birthday. Uh, did the, did the 100, 100K. So maybe oh. finishing that would rate me as a, tra- as a runner or trail runner. After which birthday? 27th. 27. You're such a baby. <laughs> That's amazing. So just so just barely 27 in 2017 and you went out and did 100 100k on a trail. That's it, yes. And was that everything that you thought it would be? Like when you were dreaming about doing that? No, because the next goal is 100 mile, right? <laughs> that's the that's the logic. Um so next year I did a 100 miler. And and you loved it? Uh, well, loved the, the feeling of accomplishment. Uh, the race itself uh, didn't go so well, and it's it was the race in the Philippines with uh, oh, wow. twelve thousand meters of elevation gain uh, in wow. a pretty high humidity. So it took me a, a part of putting aside the things, the times I got lost, uh, 30, 32 hours or so. Oh gosh! But that was my very first uh, uh, like a super long adventure or or race and what is it about those kind of things which almost seem impossible to those of us who've only run like me 60 kilometers as far as I've run it almost seems impossible some of these distances that I hear from people like you on the podcast what is it that makes you think that's something that I should sign up for that's something that I should have a go at that I could do before you've actually done it why do you think can you remember what it was like, well, those, those conversations? Personally, I don't think everyone should do it. I think <laughs> you should only do it if you f- feel attracted to to that kind Distance? of support yeah. or to that sort of feeling. Um, but, I mean, this uh, maybe going through those hard moments, feeling like you, you're just completely done and you're exhausted and mm-hmm. you wanna, if your mind sometimes uh, tells you to, to quit, but you keep going and... Uh, you're catching a second win and you're finishing it. That's that's very uh, amazing. It's an amazing feeling. So I think that's what attracts most of the trail runners, mm. overcoming those um, low moments. I spoke to one of Australia's um, legendary distance runners, Pat Farmer, um, on the podcast a few uh, last year sometime, and he's done lots of those ridiculously long <laughs> things that go on for days and one of the things he said is um or the way he explained it was that when you do those long distances it breaks you down and then builds you back up again by the time you finish and you kind of just described that a bit yourself didn't you like it was like your body says it's or your mind says it's time to give up but then you get this second win because you don't give up you push through and and you get this second win it's a great way to describe it yeah Mm, sort of 
like a castle, like a kid's um, building blocks, <laughs> building, well, knocking it down and then building it back up again. Yeah, you need yeah. to break yourself down to regrow faster. I think I heard this sentence somewhere, maybe in a different, but a bit differently, but yeah, I definitely yeah. agree with that. Mm. It's very addictive feeling as well because kind of done it already you don't really have to prove anything to yourself but then you sign up for another ultra race and uh, I, I feel like you, you just need to re-challenge yourself it's like with exercising and it's not like you go to the gym and you do one set of of exercise and you think you're gonna be fit forever you're mm. gonna challenge yourself your body and, and mind constantly it has to be a lifestyle thing doesn't it like as well, like yeah how do you decide what the next event is that you're going to do? In general, how do I decide? Or yeah. um, it just really depends of where I am. Uh, mm -hmm. That's the main thing. Obviously, right now I'm in Tasmania, but this year been pretty challenging. I don't really actually have the schedule yet. But I usually look at the races available. I'll try to race locally as much as possible, mm -hmm. and at least in the past two years, I would pick like two races on the mainland or if last year I've been uh, I was able to go home finally so I decided to do a race back home yeah um but um yeah just look at the races and set the priorities and uh, if there is a year that I want to do a big adventure I'll try to work around that as well because the adventures I usually take a big toll and I need time to recover so I need to plan it um accordingly so I, my, my racing is not too compromised so what adventures have you done recently that you're most proud of uh, i think i've done few in, in tasmania a few big projects uh, at least i would consider them pretty big but the last one was just in november mm -hmm. um which i call impossible seven and it was a part of the fundraiser for the westpac rescue and i decided to do seven of like the most iconic uh, multi-day walks in Tasmania in, in seven days. Wow. So tell us, step us through it. What did you do? <laughs> what does that look like? <laughs> so the plan was to do the Salkus track, Federation Peak, um, Western Archers, Frenchman's Cap, Overland Track, Three Capes, and a phrase in the peninsula in, in seven days. <laughs> Now I've walked some of those, not all of them. <laughs> and I don't think I walked any of them in one day. <laughs> so, um, that's, yeah. um, that's crazy. And you, so you did them back to back. I did them back to back. I actually didn't really stick to the plan, uh, because there were some complications on the way. So, uh, first thing is that we had to change the start date. We look at the, um, and to maybe to start if I didn't that was one of the reasons I decided to do it in November rather than doing it in January or February which mm -hmm. the chances of getting a good weather are are higher but because of the I wanted to have time to recover and then get ready for the season I started yeah. to do it sort of by the end of the year and November is very tricky because you can get a great weather or you can get pretty miserable weather but I came back from a trip and then we look at the forecast. I call a friend who helped me out with logistics and uh, we agreed that I supposed to, I should start like tomorrow because there was a window opportunity. Um, not sure if you've done Federation Peak or South Coast Strike, but those are, especially Federation Peak is very exposed. And My husband not, has, he's a big, big bushwalker. <laughs> so I'm aware of their. Um, it's not to be attempted in a bad weather, it's yeah. slippery rock. Um, so we had that 
good window. Um, so I did Federation pick, and then I did South Coast track. Unfortunately, on the South Coast track, I had to wait for a day because the weather turned and the, the plane couldn't couldn't come and pick me up. And again, that was a calculated risk. The initial plan was to fly in and do it the other direction, so I don't have to rely on the flight on the way out. But because I wanted to be safe on the on the Federation pick, I kind of altered it the direction of the tracks mm-hmm. I was doing. If On top of that, at the end of day one, I got, got injured. Um, so my knee kind of got like this red, it's like a circle of redness at the back. Mm-hmm. And I asked a few friends, what is, and they, everyone pretty much suggested it's an it's animal bite. It could be a spider or something. It's just very unfortunate that I could be done at the, the back of the, of the knee and the tendon. Oh, so yeah. I thought I'm like, okay, it's animal bite. I just got some antihistamine and, and kept going. Um, but unfortunately, it, it was a different cause. So I came back to Hobart uh, after waiting a day. Um, we did Frenchman's Cup. Yeah. And then after that, it got really bad. My knee was pretty much like a rock hard. Uh-huh. Um, the bike and decided to go to the hospital. And I got diagnosed with uh, tendinopathy which is inflammation of the of the tendon yeah out uh, yeah and but the both the doctor and the physio kind of knew uh what i'm doing and mm-hmm. no one none of them said that i should i should stop uh or something worse gonna happen to my knee so they just strap it up and yeah. give me some anti-inflammatories put up with it i was off for the next adventure I uh, did three capes, Fraser Peninsula, and then I was hoping I can come back and do the Western Archers, but the weather was was terrible. Mm. Like on my way to inland, it was actually snowing already at the low elevation. <laughs> what? So I had the backup plan for Federation Peak. Um, fortunately, I I was able to do the Federation Peak, so I didn't have to do it. But in that case, I had to replace Western Archers with Walls of Jerusalem. Mm-hmm. which is another iconic walk, which it wasn't on, like the top seven, but it was sort of like a backup plan. I did Walls of Jerusalem, and I finished off with the Overland track on day seven. Um, but I felt like I just, it didn't fully challenge me, challenge me. <laughs> and because I was able to, I was forced to move extremely slow and actually have the, the main scenario was I would run for the first part or jog pretty slowly, and then the knee would get inflamed and really stiff, and I yeah. was forced to walk. But because of that, I think I was moved, because I was moving so slow, my body didn't take much beating apart from just yeah. going through the discomfort. So you still had so more. I, I felt I felt still reasonably okay. Um, and few, two days later, I knew the weather is great for the Western archers and I have a few friends who want to join me for that. So I kept myself busy on day nine. I did Lake Krona and a bit of Mont Anne, and then I was ready for that to finish off the project um, with Western archers. So That's I ended up doing nine of those uh, multi-day walks. That is um, epic, really. <laughs> You must have had a massive sense of achievement at the end. It was, but I was also very happy to, to finish it and have some rest. As I wasn't extremely tired, but just the, I knew that knee needs a uh, need break. And because also, as I mentioned, it was a fundraiser for the 
Westpac Rescue, I noticed people are really started following the project. There's more and more donations um, each day. With the work I was doing, and I think it'll be a pretty nice tweak to the story that I didn't stop after doing those seven. I just kept going. Wow. And another part, I think that's that's Polish stubbornness that I mentioned earlier. I just didn't want to, didn't want to quit. So like a couple of things come to mind. Number one, how much money did you raise? Uh, $13,000. Awesome. That's fantastic. Congratulations. You must have an incredible support team because a lot of those things are like we talk about that on the podcast, people talk about some of these amazing adventures, but many of them, especially when you're talking about multi-day things, it's very difficult to even contemplate doing it without the support team. No, that, that wouldn't be possible. I'm very fortunate to have a group of friends mm. or people who reach out to them. And now I can call friends to some people I haven't met before and they just wanted to get in and, and help me out with a, with a track or two. Um, so it's another probably highlight of, of the project, just the community and, and people I met on the way, some, some old friends that I was able to catch up uh, and some new friendships that uh, happened because, yeah. because of it. That's amazing. My, um, I should thank you because a couple of weeks ago, late January, uh, yeah, late January, my husband was on a yacht with some uh, running friends uh, down at Freycinet and they were walking you know, on Shooton Island and he got bitten by a snake and the Westpac helicopter had to come and get him. So um, he, he was fine. He wasn't inveminated in the end, but because he, he started all that process, they have to come and get them and take them to hospital and do all this other stuff. So it was only because of that, of people like you who, you know, put their hand in their pocket or go out and do an adventure and raise funds for, for them that um, they're there to help us, for those of us who are adventurous and out in the bush and exploring and doing whatever we're doing in Tassie. So thank you. Really appreciate it. Sorry to hear that happen, but... Uh, he's fine. He's got a story yeah, now. It's like <laughs> That's why I thought it's a great cause because I'm out there in the bush. Uh, quite often and fortunately I would never need that help but mm. uh, you never know and maybe exactly. you need that, that help so it was an amazing great story. organization yeah exactly so that's awesome I love it so do you have any any other thoughts at the moment of what you want to do adventure wise or are you thinking about races I know you've done another few races even since so you haven't rested for that long I did a little bit and then I had some good training and uh, some good races as well. But I don't like to do those adventures like as a schedule. I mean, I do schedule them sort of a few months in advance, but I don't like to, to plan them so okay. far ahead. I just yeah. like them to kind of come to my mind and kind of grow and like, grow. Like or organically. And when I feel like I really need to go back into the wilderness and I do that, but just kind of waiting to a moment that I feel like, yeah, it's a time to do something, wow. something big again. So at the moment, um, I'm pretty satisfied with that project. And I'm sure I think I will be for, for a while. And I'm focused on racing. Um, yeah. I might do some smaller day adventures, um, but nothing, nothing big, I think, quite, quite yet. You need a bit of a rest. <laughs> 
What is it that you like about I've racing? I said it takes, takes time to. Um, I guess I'm a bit competitive, so uh, mm -hmm. the competitive aspects, that's, that's for sure. And just being able to travel, even if it's local race, mm -hmm. going places, community is obviously amazing in trail running. So being here for a while and having friends from trail running community is a great opportunity to to meet them on those on those races. Usually people are busy with their life, but once they have a race, they you know, come in for the weekend and it's an opportunity to catch up. Obviously you can, if you go to new places or even if you come back to the same one, it gives you a great opportunity to see Mm. Um, and explore that area um, even if you, you know, focus on running you still you find a time to to appreciate the views um, beautiful um, do you have a favorite is there a race that you've or or even a training route that you like you know this is my favorite one when I do it I must well, there's few, but I must say will be a gone nuts in a, in a northern Tasmania, um, and that's because I've done it just recently. I did it for the fifth time in a row, um, which I will never think it's possible. And it's just the fact of being here in Tasmania for five years in a row, mm. um, also kind of improving every year. That's give you a great picture. Um, yeah, it's just the community there. It's, it's amazing. It's great to, to come back every year. Quite a brutal event. It is. It's, uh, you cannot tell by looking at the elevation profile, but just the, the areas you're going through are very, very challenging. And this year wasn't extremely hot, but usually it is. Uh, in the sun in Tasmania, it's, it's pretty strong. Mm -hmm. So even if the temperature is in the low 20s, it feels like you pretty much running on a on a frying pan and they have so many different uh, landscapes and the terrain you run through sandy beaches or rock rocky beaches which cover like slime and you cannot really run you just need to hop on them and you run on the on the paddocks as well so it's it's very challenging and very diverse but you love it anyway <laughs> oh yeah try to schedule it uh, to to be able to do it every every year and it's great to great to be back so do you um like i was uh, talking to people like david bailey and they talk about um maintaining a level of fitness even if they don't have a race that they're training for that's just on the horizon that they their training schedule sort of regular training schedule just keeps them at a level of fitness that if next week or in two or three weeks they wanted to do a, you know, a longer run, they could, like they would have that base level of fitness. Is that how you see your training or do you approach it differently? Um, I usually have the races aligned or at least idea of the races, what I will be doing. So I'm trying to stay consistent with the training. Um, so, I mean, in a way it's true. I kind of be ready for the event, but, uh, I have those races planned, so I'm not. I know the most part of what I'm training for. Mm -hmm. and, uh, to add to that, definitely the consistency is the, is the key because you don't want to. One thing is to prevent the injuries. Mm -hmm. Common mistake people do: they get excited, they start running a lot, and they, they get injured. They rest, they start running again a lot, and the body cannot keep up. But if you're staying consistent with your training, it's um, your body's used to, to the effort and hopefully stay, stay healthy.
Do you do anything else apart from running in your training schedule? Uh, I do biking every now and then or any other kind of activities uh, that sort of about if I'm by the sea, I'll do a bit of kayaking, but it's uh, nothing um, kind of schedule. It's just on top of mm-hmm. what I'm doing, but I try to do strengthening, conditioning, and stretching, yeah. foam rolling, cold water plunges if I have to, if I, if I can, and working on the overland track, there's plenty of opportunities. There's so, lots of cold water up there. <laughs> especially after a snow it's it's pretty cold oh. um, so anything to supplement um running um it's i think it's beneficial because just running it it's uh, it's too much stress for your body so it's good to supplement supplement it with, with some at least uh, with weight training or stability work i assume you're like a not shift work but you might be six days or whatever on and then a few days off and then but it's sort of not you know every monday you don't have off for example you have um yes. and you certainly wouldn't have weekends off all the time and things like that so it would depend on your shifts how do you i think you said before even after you've been you know guiding say all day you'll go for a run if you're training for an event that's coming up so to start with it's this job I only started doing it a year ago, so okay. I had a different schedule, more um, kind of training schedule friendly. But um, if I have a six-day trip, if I, I'll usually go for a run just before the trip, so wake up super early and get the mm-hmm. training done, so then I have to run the next day, and I do have a bit of time off um, in the middle of the trip. So that's why I usually schedule like a mountain run or longer run or hill yep. repeats, and and do a bit of jogging in the middle or again just some intervals um, so there's always way to, to work around it and I, I do have a coach and when i usually when i go for a trip i let him know um when i'm going and what can i do when and we can always kind of schedule it the last day usually i uh, i'm not sure if done probably a blind track before but you finish a narcissist and there's this lake stretch yeah. 17 years so i dropped the group up there and i got a little bit earlier and then i run that, that 17 kilometers while they're having lunch and taking the boat so what? i can incorporate that that's the run into my trip so when i finish the trip late or i'm like i'm done with my, my training for the day so i don't have to think about it i love that there's plenty of, plenty of work to ways to work around it and make sure that the training is not compromised. So do you leave your, I'm thinking about the logistics. Do you give them your backpack to go on the boat? Leave it at the jetty. And uh, then I just take my running part, running vest. And, I love uh, it. Sometimes we make a bet who's going to make it first. Oh. Um, so <laughs> keeps everyone happy. I guess lots, usually have a... lots of roots in that last little bit. Like there's lots of um, trip hazards. I'm just thinking along the lake. <laughs> But then I had a pack on. I was walking it. So. Yeah, it's pretty pretty challenging. It's hard to run yeah. consistent because you have to stop all the time or there's a sharp corner or yeah, there's roots and mud. and Yeah, like branch, big trees yeah. and things. Yeah, oh, that's awesome though. I love it. I, yeah, it's a beautiful place and an amazing. I love that you, um, you know, racing the boat and the <laughs> as well. That's really cool. It just adds a little bit of spice to it, doesn't it? That's like, oh. Who's going to get there first? 
So what kind of things are you thinking about when you're I want $20. Out? So I want... What kind of things do you uh, think so many about? different things. Uh, I just in trying to enjoy it. I put sometimes I uh, I would put a podcast on sometimes music and then just enjoy it as much as I, as I can, especially if I have a bit faster run, I'll usually put the, some good music. Uh, but if I have a longer run, enjoy the podcast, sometimes just tune out and, and just stay with, with your thoughts. Just think about daily life or future plans. And just yeah. let the thoughts just, flow. Just be there at that moment type of thing. Just being present in the bush, wherever you are on the trail. Yeah, it's enjoy, enjoy it at the moment, as, as you mentioned, yeah. because there's so much, uh, so many hours spent training that you need to enjoy it because otherwise you're just going to burn out. Exactly. If you're not having fun uh, and you're not going to last long. So you talked before about, you know, having friends who are also in the trail running community. Do you find, do you go running with others as, as part of your training sometimes as well or is it just depends because you'd have the your schedule wouldn't always it, be suitable it does that. depend if i can have have a run with a friend yes i will always take the opportunity if i go down to hobart um we usually go for a run mm-hmm. with i go for a run with friends or we schedule some smaller smaller bigger adventures together so i don't have to do all those all this running and project by myself but most of the training would be by myself just because of work and training yeah. schedule and the running community is pretty pretty small as well um, yeah. so if whenever i can i'll, I'll run with someone um, actually the last trip i did i actually i had for the first time i i run with a guest on one of the guests wow and she was a, a triathlete and pretty fit person so um, I offer her that she can she, she can join me for for the run. So I had had a company for that for that day. That's very cool. I've um started well about a hundred almost hundred and sixty days ago. Decided to do a running streak just to keep me. You know, we talked about consistency, and we often talk about it on the podcast that for for our running longevity, that being consistent is important. Anyway, I've started a running streak, doing just the make sure I'm do a minimum, I should say, of two kilometers a day, just so sometimes I do five, 10, whatever. But if it's a day, you know, where I wouldn't normally have run, then I'm going to do at least 2K. So I've been doing that. And I'm a bit like you and quite stubborn. In fact, I think many runners who stick to running do have a stubborn streak. <laughs> so even when I've been hiking and I've been, you know, done, done a few multiple day bushwalks, um, in, since I've started this and I've taken my running shoes with me. So like <laughs> packing them in my backpack and I'll get up before everyone else gets out of their tent and go and just do a 2K jog if possible. <laughs> sort of, it's a kind of funny run because some of the places we're going, there's not a lot of trail. Um, and so running doesn't look like running on a road, as you would know. Um, it's kind of like, you know, just walking a bit faster because you're trying to not trip over something. Anyway. Um, it's been quite fun and, and quite liberating to to be able to to keep doing it, even though, you know, you, you're in this other environment that you're not used to doing normal running. Anymore. Do you have a number you want to get to or you just want to stay from that, from that you know, wow. keep going till the I magic think, number? Or? The magic number was Christmas time. That's come and gone. 
And now because I am that stubborn person, like I like if I stop, well, that would be annoying. Yeah. I'd have to start again. Yeah. <laughs> like, Maybe getting to a thousand or exactly thousand or you are. Yeah, like I've had um, Jace Milner. I'm not sure if you've met him yet in the running community. He's been on the podcast. He does a similar thing and he's up to something like more than six years worth of running every day. And he said there's somebody in, you can get online and, and check out the people who do streak running or whatever they call it, um, who's done 50 years worth and run yeah, whatever his distance is every day. And you think, well, <laughs> that's crazy. Quite impressive. I know, I'm just like, well, at least that's something I can do. And 2K isn't something that stresses your body. Like if it's, you know, and, and you can fit it in like with your schedule, I found anyway. So that's my <laughs> that's my weird thing that I do at the moment, consistency-wise. Um, how long would you like to run for? Oh, I don't have a magic number again, but I, as long as I feel it brings me joy. I'm hoping I can, and my longevity is, is good and I can run to 60, 70, 80. I, I don't have a number, but it's as long as I feel that it brings me joy, I'm not going to force it. If I'm feeling I'm done, I'm done, but I'm hoping to stay fit as long as I can. For you, is it is the fitness as important as your speed? Like, because you are quite a competitive runner, what drives you, do you think, more? the adventure or to run further you know those kind of things because what you're doing is really adventurous and and sometimes even groundbreaking it's kind of really cool no one else has done this blah 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 blah. but also you have this other side where you're quite competitive in when you compete so is one of those more of a driver than the other or are they both just what they right. are it's, it's a great thing about trail running that you can do both uh the race you can do your own adventures if i would have to pick one I think yeah. I will pick the adventures over racing because okay. I feel like I could be, I could be trail runner without being, uh, without racing. But mm -hmm. I, if I would you take away those adventures, um, you know, I, don't, I wouldn't feel myself. Mm. Um, so the, the adventure aspect, and especially if, if we look back two years at COVID and everything was canceled, yeah. but you know, we're still trail runners because we could go out and, and do go for a run, go do, your, do our own adventure so we can see how many like, FKTs and the website was probably overwhelmed because people went out and, and did this stuff or they just did on, on, on projects, not really chasing any fast time, but just doing something. So, um, yeah, but fortunately I, I can do both and um, pretty happy with that. But if there's only one thing, that will be the, the adventuring aspect. Which is probably, if you think about it logically, that's probably good because ultimately there'll come a time where other people will come up and they'll be, they'll be faster because that's what happens. As you get older, you'll get slower. I don't know how to break it to you, but that might happen. <laughs> but you still might be the fastest in your age group, <laughs> but whatever. Um, whereas the adventure side, it's all, it's kind of like a, you know, it's always there. You can, you, you don't have to be a, you know, particular speed to keep it up. That good makes... point you can always come up with your own project and be the yeah. first person to do it or try yeah. to yeah i love it um so when you've had an injury and you talked about an injury before that didn't stop you but have you had an injury that stopped you running um not really i've been very fortunate that when 
maybe a few months into when I started trail running, you know, I sprained my ankle because I was running like an idiot downhill uh, without proper technique and not paying attention. And that would probably stop me running for, uh, for a few weeks. But since then, I'm, I'm was very fortunate to have anything that would stop me from running. Having said that, I mean, I should probably stop doing my last project because that was it's pretty bad injury. But I got I was bike. I finished the project on on Friday, some Saturday, Sunday. Uh, could barely walk, but then I gave enough time to rest. And then Wednesday I was already kind of a jogging few k. And then next weekend I was kind of I was able to do like eight k. Um, so I wouldn't even consider that as a break because, you know, that's something you usually do after a big project, you just rest. Mm. Um, same thing happened. I, I, the only race I had to DNF was the Ultra Trail Australia in yeah. 2021. I sprained mm -hmm. my ankle at pretty much at the very beginning in that very crowded section coming down. Pretty unfortunate situation because we were like jumping over this log. I got the, the runner in front of me trigger a branch and I got slapped my face oh. while jumping over it and then I landed badly and I moved all my weight I twisted it and I kept going kept going and then I was just getting slower and slower and, and decided to 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 finish the race at about 75 kilometers but obviously I, I feel like I could keep going and mm. finish the race but because all my goals were gone. So obviously I couldn't be top three. I couldn't be top five. And then I was slowing down. I couldn't be top 10. And I'm like, okay, there's no point going any further. There's other races to, to do. And there's no point punishing myself anymore. So at that time, I, that's the only time I DNF. And but again, I was bike running after, after a week. So do you, do you remember how that felt? The DNFing? Oh, it was extremely disappointing. Yeah. Very disappointing. Yeah. Um, because I set all those expectations and I was hoping for for a great race and maybe it's not super healthy uh, but when you're trying to be competitive mm. again you like my my last scenario was to be at least top 10 and then I didn't and couldn't finish the race so it was it was disappointing and we gotta you know that's a that's a great learning uh, it is isn't it mm other aspects in your life you cannot always get what you mm. what you want even if you put the work and all the effort sometimes things yeah. happen you cannot you don't have influence on so it's character building they say yes. um so if if in the future you get an injury that stops you running for i don't know 12 weeks or something like a considerable period of time how do you think you'll cope with that if that ever happened what would you do I'll probably put my energy into something else, depending mm -hmm. what dangerous. Maybe I can do biking, and I'll, yeah. I will go after biking. I will go to the gym and uh, yeah. or focus on some other aspects. Also, it's hard to think of right now, but because sport is a very important part of my life. But you know, I'll look for option B and C if I can do anything moving. Yeah. yeah. Um, but if if I cannot do anything, then I just just focus on something else. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that, and, and that's the thing that we often talk about identity on the podcast and, you know, what happens when that identity gets taken away, which could happen to any of us at any given moment. Um, and so sometimes then we reflect that, you know, maybe our identity, rather than just being a runner, we're actually, we are runners, but we also 
are people who like to be fit. And so generally, depending on the injury, you can do something that, you know, enables you to, to stay fit while you're recovering in some way. So I think that's I find that the fitness and just the, the health is very elusive because you, you can be the fittest person in, uh, in one day and then, you know, you break your leg the next day and it's exactly. all gone. That's exactly quite a struggle to agree with that, but it is. Yeah, it's, it's what it is. <laughs> it is. So it's finding. Well, it's probably that acceptance because we talk a little bit about mindfulness in the podcast too. So it's that kind of you accept that what is today and being grateful for what you have today, and that we can't control what's going to happen tomorrow, like you said. So just be happy right now, <laughs> and know I that if- that's uh, mental health. I think many people struggle when they so attached to running and then they cannot run. I think they they having depression or exactly uh, definitely puts them down and not sure how i would handle it but mm. that would be quite a struggle um mm. so finding something else that's enjoyable and appreciating the moments that's very important yeah i agree can you think of a time in a run a race or a training run where everything really flowed for you that you could reflect upon you might have had many of them <laughs> cannot think of one at the moment but i think one of the reasons i do like running or the adventures just the, the ultimate freedom of freedom feeling of freedom yeah you, you're not overwhelmed with your know, anxieties of the work or life aspects you're just out there running mm. um uh, i did actually on <laughs> during the project uh day two on the south coast track i got a because i was my injury was getting worse and worse and the track conditions were way worse than we thought. We ended up going, being pretty close to 24 hours of, of running. We finished just under 24 hours of South Coast track. And I only had about 15 minutes sleep after doing Federation Peak. So I was pretty much awakened for 46 hours at a time. And I remember just running that last few kilometers towards Melaleuca Airport on the boardwalk. And... We, we, I, me and my uh, running partner for that track, we both started hallucinating. Oh. And I remember this, this state of, of like, like pure joy. And there was nothing really bothering me at the time. It was just me and the bottle and the kind of different hallucinations oh. on, the, on the side. Um, but yeah, I just really enjoy that moment. Like not, 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 a, not a, usually if you think about something and it kind of makes you upset, but any, any thought I'll bring at that stage, it, nothing, nothing could bother me. That's awesome. Uh, like euphoria. Uh, euphoria, okay. yes. And yeah. kind of a nirvana state. Wow. Uh, it's pretty special, but it's a shame I had to yeah, keep running for like 46 hours to, to get to that state. <laughs> to get to that. that was one moment, one moment I remember very well. And it was very distinct from the other moments. But usually when I run, uh, you know, when you go up the mountain, you have that euphoria and the runner's high or running fast mm-hmm. downhill. It's, it's hard to fa- far, find a comparable moment of happiness. Yeah. I, for me, sometimes I would explain taking my running shoes, hiking, get, being the first pe- person out of the tent, putting my shoes on as the sun's still down on its way up. But then 
running while the sun's coming up. To me, that was, I really enjoyed that kind of aspect as well and, and felt like, you know, I'm, I'm up here watching the world wake up and sometimes, and you're in those amazing vistas that you get to see all the time when you're doing your work. Um, you can't, there's no words <laughs> really to explain those experiences. I just think it's incredible. You're very lucky to to be able to do that all the time. Mind you, we could probably all get up a little bit earlier in the morning and <laughs> experience, you know, the sun rising and, and you know, the breaking of a new day. You know, I uh, sound like a poet now because I, lo- <laughs> I love that time of day. And if I'm running, it's usually one of my favorite times to be running as well. Yeah, it's, uh, it's all out there for us we just need to put a little bit of effort or discomfort and exactly. experience it go to sleep a bit earlier <laughs> get up yes exactly um is, what do you think your life would have been like had you not decided to take on trail running as your hobby what would you be missing out on do you think That's a good question. I probably you have something else that's going on a different different hobby. Mm. Um, but it's the life the, the trail running gives really meaning to my life and having those goals, I think it's really important to be excited about about your next adventure or your next race. Yeah. Um, it just makes me makes me feel much more happy to to strive for something. Yeah. Um, so I definitely wanna miss out on that. Uh, and yeah just staying staying fit and, and healthy and being able to see all those places like much faster I wouldn't be able to see so so many places just uh, if if I wouldn't be going for, for a run um, so that's, and uh, you're doing it under your own steam you know there are people who were born and grew up here who've never been to Cradle Mountain let alone that's sad i don't feel like everyone has to do what i'm doing that's the, the bottom line and um you know whatever makes you makes you happy mm-hmm. i mean i feel when i work at cradle mountain it was literally 10 kilometers from the lake and i knew people who wouldn't go out there um just you know for me it's extremely hard to understand but I know. You know, it's uh people have different i mean some people probably maybe they don't have interests or they cannot find time or courage to go mm. but if, if you don't feel like doing it if it doesn't bring you joy like you shouldn't mm. yeah. shouldn't be doing it it's about i, travel. I suppose sometimes when i've been up in those places and you're looking at those amazing vistas i just think it, everybody i can't imagine anyone you know not standing at the top of a you know a mountain or whatever and looking out and seeing never-ending views, not to be, you know, awestruck and, and amazed. And especially they've had to walk for a few hours to get there. It even feels more kind of satisfying or something. You know, you strove to get there. Um, yeah, it's interesting. I don't, I don't um, there's no, no answers to it exactly, but I just, yeah, I would like everyone to be able to experience how amazing it is. I guess not everybody can or will because they don't have the desire, like you said. Yeah, it might be a bit of desire. Like, again, maybe it's uh, the lack of motivation or, mm. um, yeah, it's, uh, yeah, it'd be great if people or people can can experience the, the yeah. use we get to experience. It's beautiful. 
right. Is there, we'll wrap it up shortly, but is there anything about running that you'd like to share that we haven't really touched on during your story? I'm not sure. I think we went through most of the aspects. Um, you feel like we've ticked it all off. We have covered a fair bit of your running journey or, you know, your inspiration around why you keep going and, uh, and how you got where you are already. Are you happy with that? Yeah, it's been, it's been an amazing journey. I would never, never think, because uh, the journey of being in Tasmania and doing all this project, it seems a bit surreal for me. Yeah. Uh, and I would just, I didn't know what I would set up a project because I thought I'm leaving the country the next month and then I'll have another year for my visa and then staying another another year. So uh, that's a bit surreal. And looking back, all those adventures, it's, it's feels great, but there's still more to do here. And as long as I'm around, I will probably venture into the wilderness. Do you have any, do you have any adventures that um, back in Europe that you look at that you think one day I'll tackle that? Not, not really. There's few, uh, there's, something in Tasmania or Nepal I haven't really lived that long in Poland being a trail runner so I didn't really ex explore the area maybe very well nothing really sparked my interest yeah um but maybe at some stage I would like to go to come back to Nepal and do the Annapurna circuit um was FKT yeah um that's that's one of the adventures I actually submitted for adventure grant this year and that wasn't approved um, so in a way, I'm kind of happy I can just focus on racing because if that would be a proof, I could, I would have to, yeah, I do. In, in a good way, I will have to go and do it. Um, there is also a project that I was thinking in the Southwest Tasmania to link all those trails there. Because yeah. uh, a multi-day, maybe a, a fast packing adventure or maybe a running adventure. Yeah. Um, but again, it's just something that's stuck in my mind and probably eventually it will come to a point that I, I need to do it. But yeah. Now I'm just I'm focused on, on smaller day adventures and, and racing for, for the next few months. So how long do you think you'll be in Tassie for in Australia? Or is that all just uh, one of It's those a very things? hard question because I, I, when I came here, I only thought I would stay a maximum of two years, but then there was new visas, new opportunities to stay longer. COVID happened, obviously. Yeah. So at the moment, I'm only have my visa is until November. Yeah. Um, but I'm hoping I can extend it for another year, maybe put some effort into staying permanently. Yeah. Um, and I do feel like this is a great place to live, and I could live here. But then again, my family is all the way back in Europe. Long way. Um, so I do have to go back. It's not going to be a tragedy for me i would be happy to, to go back home and explore spend more time with the family and explore those uh, new adventures those back home yeah wow oh you've got an exciting you know a couple of decades life ahead of you really <laughs> amazing i love it all right before we wrap up can if someone came to you this is something i ask everybody and said to you uh, I'd like to start running, what would you suggest that they did as a beginner runner? And that's probably not go run a marathon immediately, or maybe that would be your suggestion. I don't know. <laughs> what would you suggest? Take it easy. 
-hmm. start from maybe once twice a week mm -hmm. and build up from that and, and be consistent that's that's the most important thing and yeah. enjoy it as much as you can if you want to if you want to be a road runner then that's a different aspect i'm sure there's still places you can you can find a nice path in a, in a forest mm -hmm. uh, running running on the streets um, so just have as much fun as possible and explore the area and pick the best routes to to get the best views. So you enjoy it, as you said, and have fun, which is probably one of the most important elements because why would we keep doing stuff if we don't, you know, enjoy at least many aspects of it? Yeah, as you said, yeah, we're going to appreciate the moments. Mm. Uh, we're all going to die. So the life is the life is now, right? That's right. Right now. While we're talking on podcast, not running. <laughs> I, you are going to go for a run shortly. That's what you said before. I am, yes. <laughs> and I've already had my little run today. So I'm good. I've done my 5K park run. <laughs> anyway, all right. It has been a delight to get to know you um, and to hear just a little bit of your story. It's just so adventurous and so exciting. It just makes me want to go out and do more trail running and and look at the maps i've got the map of um you know there's a the trail we call it the tassie trail goes from the south all the way to the top of tassie but yeah. not in national parks but in yeah found got, that one. there you go so i've got the whole map of that and i'm like oh which bits could i do to do like 100k at some point for myself as a challenge so you've made me get more inspired to get that yeah, out and have beautiful that. trail yes yeah so i really i need to do that um, yeah, so thank you for your time. I really appreciate it. Don't jump off straight away, but um, thank you. Yeah, it's been amazing and very inspiring. Once again, thank you very much for the invitation. It was a great pleasure. And so challenge myself in this way to uh, to, to be on the podcast. It's uh, never been really a great public speaker, so I like to challenge myself in, in that aspect too. Well, you've done amazing. Thank you for listening to the Fit Mind, Fit Body podcast. I'd love to talk to you about your running journey. So send me a message on Facebook or on the website and let's do it. For a bunch of resources on mindful running that will help you get and stay mentally and physically fit, head over to the website fitmindfitbody.co and I'll see you there. Plus, I'll be back here in your podcast player a few times a week. Hit subscribe now so that you don't miss an episode. And before you go, I'd really appreciate it if you'd leave a review. It'll help more people to find the podcast and get inspired to start running. I'll see you soon. Bye.